awesome. Well, I'm uh, standing before you before by the grace of God this morning. I was always thinking, I usually think about my life and what the Lord has done in my life before I come to preach and just remember that I'm not worthy to be up here. I'm not worthy to, to serve him and to live for him and do what he's called me to do, but he is worthy. And because of his worthiness and he has called me into fellowship with him, I stand here today before you because of the great name of Jesus. So I'm always humbled. I'm always honored. I'm always in the fear of the Lord. I want to say what he is saying. I want to teach and preach his word. So this morning, um, the title of my message is, going to, is entitled, Becoming the Habitation of God. And so we're going to be teaching on worship, and I say we because my wife will join me here in a few uh, to share. Obviously, she's a worship leader, and so, um, you know, I get to hear some of the ins and outs and some of the fun dynamics of her being a worship leader. But also, I thought it was very interesting this week, earlier this week, the Lord had put it on our heart to do this, considering what's happening in California, where some churches are being told they can't even open their mouth for worship. And so we stand here today, maybe in some kind of prophetic way, that the Lord is calling us to become the habitation where he can come and dwell and where there are true worshipers who love him, who follow him, who obey him, who lift their voice to him and to him alone, and that we're going to give him what he wants. And so one of the values that we have when we talk about Vision Sunday a couple uh, Sundays ago was being a presence-centered community. We want to be a place about the presence of God. Moses told the Lord, if your presence is not with me, I will not go. And we want to have that same heartbeat here. Father, if your presence is not here when we meet, why are we meeting? Why would we meet during COVID-19 if your presence is not here? Everyone else is staying home and everyone else could be in fear. And some are doing it by faith and fear, whichever one you want to choose. But if we're going to meet, we're going to meet because your presence is here. So let's pray, and we're going to dive into this this morning. So Father, we come before you as sons and daughters in the great name of Jesus. God, we thank you for who you are, God, your great name. And Father, I pray this morning that you would give us, your people, a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who you are that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. Father, we must see you. We must know you. And I pray that you would raise up true worshipers. God, that you would help us all to build the habitation where you would dwell, that you would reside with us, and that you would never depart. So we thank you, Father, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a dream that we would be a people who actually become the habitation of God, where our pursuit would, would not be so much to have a visitation or revival, but that God would find in our community a resting place where he can permanently and powerfully dwell with us, that we would constantly host his glorious presence and nearness where a move of God does not need to be brought in from the outside because God himself is in our midst doing what only he can do. 
How true is that? A move of God does not need to be brought in from the outside because God himself is in our midst doing what only he can do. How many of us believe we can actually partner with God and become a true habitation where he can do that very thing? It's a very simple question. Do you really believe that? Because we're, we're known for having the conferences, we have the speakers, we, ha- we have the, the who's who's come in here. But do you believe if no one popular, no one big comes in here and we have no more conferences, we have no more of that stuff, do you believe we can actually build a habitation where God would come and dwell? Because we're going to be challenged with that in the days ahead. And so as we're still casting vision, we're still checking to see who's really buying into this. Who's really doing that? I envision that as we are doing this, I just have this picture in my heart where non-believers and people who don't even know God, they come into our meetings and the presence and the power of God is just in our midst. I remember the way I got saved was that there was, it was a healing service, and the pastor made an altar call, and I go up front, and I just start, I start encountering God. There was no preacher. No one preached the gospel to me and, you know, five steps to be saved. I can't even recall if there was actually worship there. But it was the presence of God that came over me, and I gave my life to him. I mean, it was that simple. And today it's almost like you got to do, you know, 20 different things in a service and maybe someone will give their life to the, to the Lord. But I just envision this place where these non-believers come in and they encounter God. That our children, they know whom they are encountering. They see us worship, not just with our outward appearance, but they see our heart in worship. But in order for us to become a true habitation for God... I just want to highlight two areas this morning that I believe we need to grow in. And I'm going to highlight one of them, then Allison will come up in between me, and then I'll finish the second one. But the first thing that we need to grow in if we truly want to become a habitation of God is that we need to grow in our responsibility for personal preparation. You have to grow in your personal responsibility of preparing yourself. You. You have to do that. And what's honestly kind of awkward is that, well, you know, there's a staff here who gets paid by the church, so we should be the ones doing this and making you guys ready to encounter the Lord. You read the Bible, you don't see it that way. It's not in there. So you're responsible for your personal preparation. Well, the greatest hindrance, and Barry hit this last week as he preached on a a servanthood in our community and, and covenant community. The issue that we are going to consistently face is the consumer mindset as a Christian. Even in our worship, there is a consumer mindset. There was a poll that was done by the Pew Research Center And it said this, when searching for a new church, about 74% of Americans say the style of worship influenced their decision about which church to join. 
Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing that you choose a place where the presence of God is there. That's good. But part of this feeds into this consumer mindset where I'm coming to visit a church and I'm basically, basically going to critique and judge what's going on up there. And that's going to determine if I'm going to come here or not. Oh, I didn't like their songs today. This is not the right one. I don't like the style of the church, the, the, the style of their song, so I'm not going to. Let's maybe reconsider. The leadership team, man, what are they doing? I, they need to speak into the worship team. But literally, we do that. So three out of four people will do that. That contributes to a mindset where it requires very little of you, but requires very much of those on stage. Is that biblical? So you're not an audience. You're not a crowd that's just coming to hang out and to enjoy a service. This idea that the worship team is held responsible to get the presence of God here. Is that biblical? That we come, they do it, and we'll see what happens. If they can get God's presence to come, then they did great. If they can't, then let's fire them all and let's hire the next batch of worshipers in here. Now, I'm not preaching this message because Allison told me she's getting bad feedback from anyone, <laughs> just so you know. But you know what I tell the worship team? Before each service, I try to do this before each service. I tell them, hey, just a reminder, you guys are not performers. You're not entertainers. You just worship the Lord. And if people want to worship, then praise God. If they don't want to worship, that's on them. But here, here's the, when you search the scripture and you see our current culture of this consumer mindset, in worship, where we're coming to just critique, we're coming to judge their worship, and you read the word, what's very interesting, and honestly, it's, it should be awkward for us, is that while we may come to a service and critique and judge their worship, do we know that God in heaven is critiquing and judging our worship? So we can stand here and Man, I don't like this worship. Sucks. Man, they can't sing. It's too bright in here. It's cold in here. Oh, man, it is a little cold. And we say all these things, and then the Father is looking down and saying, well, let's talk about your worship. And he can start listing some things off. It's biblical that God would judge and critique our worship. Open up to Romans 12. We're going to go after it this morning. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. 
talking about your personal responsibility in preparing yourself to meet with the Lord, whether it's our corporate setting or whether it's at someone's house. So verse 1 of chapter 12 of Romans, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's two things I just want to point out, and then Allison's going to come in a few minutes, is that this verse says, and yours may say something different, let's, let's make sure, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies. So we need to renew our minds when it comes to gathering together for worship. Verse 2 says that. But the way you need to begin to think about our times together is that you are coming to present yourself to God. But part of the consumer mindset says this. I'm coming to service today, and God will present himself to me. Let's see what God wants to do today. And I'll, I'll, I'll like it. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Maybe it's too uncomfortable. But God, here I am. You present your bodies to him. He is not presenting himself to you. I mean, is, is it just me or do, I mean, I, I struggle with this too. After, on Mondays, after, you know, after service, on Mondays we'll meet together as a staff and just kind of go over how could we have done things better and blah, blah, blah. And I get that. There's, you know, there's some details we want to, you know, do well. But we, we can't talk about if, well, people didn't present themselves to God, so we don't have some secret little thing we can give you and then you're good to go. Like, this is on you. This is your personal responsibility. I don't know. I mean, so here I am. I'm trying. To, today's an effort to maybe help you be ready for next Sunday and Wednesdays and whenever we gather. But, like, I don't know. If you don't come ready, I, I mean, I can pray. But it can be kind of awkward because sometimes you feel the tension of what can I say to get people to worship? What can I do so they'll enter in? Here we see, I have very little to do with you worshiping God. God is looking at you, and he's wanting you to present yourself to him. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. This is your spiritual act of worship. The second thing I want to point out is that word acceptable. So, if this is the acceptable way to present our bodies to God, that would imply there are unacceptable ways to present our bodies to God. So, we could present ourselves to God in worship, and he could say, that's unacceptable. Have you ever thought about that? 
we could drive into church on Sunday morning, got your jam on, you're playing, you know, Love FM or whatever the station is, just playing that. Joy, yeah, yeah, Joy FM. Got your song on, feeling good. You come in, and you could worship God, and he still say, that's unacceptable. So there's, in talking with Derek Kirkman, he kind of put this out there. I'm not going to steal it from him. I'm going to steal it from the Bible, right? <laughs> but the first example of worship in the Bible is with Cain and Abel. So Cain makes an offering of his first fruits of the ground, and Abel makes an offering of his firstborn, of an animal. And it says that God rejected Cain's sacrifice, but he respected Abel's, and Cain was upset. So you see an example of worship that is acceptable and one that is not acceptable. That's the first example of <clears throat> worship in the Old Testament. The last example of worship in the Old Testament is in Malachi. And God has a real issue with the priest. I'm going to read some verses out of Malachi for you. Here's what God says to the priest in Malachi concerning worship and offering their sacrifice to him. He says this, A son naturally honors his father and a slave respects his master. If I'm your father, where is my honor? If I'm your master, where is my respect? The Lord of heaven's armies asks you this. But you reply, how have we made light of your name? You are offering improper sacrifices on my altar. And yet you ask, how have we offended you? By treating the table of the Lord as if it is of no importance. For when you offer blind animals as a sacrifice, is that not wrong? And when you offer the lame and sick, is that not wrong as well? Indeed, try offering them to your governor. Will he be pleased with you or show you favor, says the Lord. With this kind of offering in your hands, how can I be pleased with you, asks the Lord. It goes on to say, the Lord goes on to say, I am not pleased with you says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will no longer accept an offering from you, but you are profaning it by saying that the table of the Lord is common and its offering despicable. You also say, how tiresome it is. You turn up your nose at it, says the Lord, and instead bring what is stolen, lame or sick. You bring these things for an offering. Should I accept them from you, asks the Lord? There will be harsh condemnation for the hypocrite who has a valuable male animal in his flock, but vows and sacrifices something inferior to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and my name is awesome among the nations. So God is serious about our worship. And he will not hesitate to tell us it's unacceptable. One of the way he tells us that is there's no presence. He doesn't come. There's no manifest presence here. So my point is this. Cain, Abel, and the priest all worship God. However, Abel worshiped God as God desired, while Cain and the priest worship God as they desired. Just because Cain and the priest were worshiping God does not mean that God was pleased. 
Cain and the priest did not present to God what God asked for. Therefore, he did not accept it. Let us learn that we cannot make any sacrifice or offering of worship to God simply because we think it's the right or popular thing to do. Rather, we must prepare ourselves to offer the best of what God is asking for, and we must learn to offer it to him how he asked for it. Is this not like a huge shift in our whole worship culture? Where worship solely, only, 100% surety depends on what song or what kind of feel there is in the morning. I mean, I, I wrestle too. This morning, I feel like worshiping today. Woke up on the wrong side of the bed. That has nothing to do with our worshiping of God. Nothing. A brother wrote an article on unacceptable worship. He says this, acceptable worship is on God's terms. Acceptable worship really has nothing to do with how you feel about a certain something. You must know that acceptable worship does not happen spontaneously. Preparation is essential. Everyone that is a part of the worship gathering must prepare themselves for it. The most important preparation of all is the preparation of the individual worshiper. So, teachable moment. How did you prepare yourself this morning before coming? Preparation is essential. Ephesians 2.22 talks about that we are being built together for a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. In other words, you play an important role in building a habitation where God would come. If you don't do your part, God will delay. He will come in some ways, and he will do some things, but if we want fullness, you really do have to buy in. You have to prepare yourself. You have to be willing to lay your life down. You have to actually be a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to him. So this morning, I'm, I'm sounding the alarm. You do your part. The story of Nehemiah is, is, is a beautiful story. Nehemiah encounters God, and he says this. He says, I told no one what God had put in my heart to do. So he carried God's dream. God gave Nehemiah his dream. And Nehemiah goes on a couple verses later and tells the people what God's dream was. And he just tells them. And it goes on to say, and the people had a mind to work. That was it. I mean, we, we went overboard. We made this whole thing. We had a whole Sunday and, and cast vision, and Nehemiah had a conversation. This lays forth, hey, guys, here's God's dream, and it says the people had a mind to work. So as we continue to cast vision, we're not going to manipulate. We're not going to try to control you. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty or anything weird. We're going to lay this out. And we're believing that God would put it in your heart to do his work. This is not the, the, the work of the elders, the, the vision of the elders. We believe this is God's vision. This is what he wants to do. We're laying it out there, and you have to buy in to what God is saying. So are you willing 
to work on preparing yourself? Are you going to commit to doing this? I'm not, I really, I'm not trying to beat anyone up here. I'm really not. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. But we have to be honest with what the Word says concerning worship. I know our culture is otherwise. What does God want? We want to give him what he wants. Come on, dear. All right. Good morning again. First off, can you turn this up a little bit, Kev? Thank you. I appreciate it. I know that I always will say I'm not going to be that person, and then here I am. Can you turn, can you crank that mic for me? Um, I'm going to introduce myself again for those that don't know me. I didn't lead worship this morning, so if it was your first time, we have an incredible team, which I love that they can do it without me, praise God. But my name is Allison, and I'm the worship leader here at um, this campus, and it's, it's really an honor to be able to speak with you guys this morning. Um, I'm feeling all the things right now, feeling all the nerves a little bit, and I think I'll... <laughs> get out of it as we go on because it's so much easier. Justin and I were talking about this before service. So much easier to sing for me and, and worship the Lord and lead in that way than it is to just prepare a message. So this is really new to me. So um, I'm going to pray. I heard the rain. I was like, God, that is your rain of grace on me. This is a prophetic sign. So I'm going to pray again, okay? So, Lord, we just ask that you would help me just to articulate what you want to say to this body. God, I just want to say your words, your language, God, and I pray that it would stick and that it would hold firm to our hearts, Lord, and we would not leave it here, but we would take it with us, God, and that we would grow. Lord, help me. Help me to speak your words, God. If they forget anything, God, that they would remember you and what you're speaking. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay. So I was really, really encouraged today just hearing that we were going to be sharing on worship. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Well, at least if I'm sharing that it's a topic that is super close to my heart. Um, Brandon and I have been talking about this stuff all week, kind of wrestling it in and out of parenting, putting the kids down for a nap. And we're like, okay, what do you have? What's the Lord talking to you? <laughs> and then, you, you know, Zeke wakes up and we're like, all right, that was 15 minutes of fun. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm really believing if the grace of God really is here. I really feel like I have, I have stuff for you this morning, but I wanted to be vulnerable with you. Um, I'm a very honest person. I like to cut to the chase of, um, yeah, just be, just real talk with you guys this morning because we feel things, we go through things, and I think it's important that we're vulnerable in those areas so it releases freedom to you. So about six months ago or so, um, I just felt a lot in the atmosphere of the room when I'd come up to lead worship. I think we'd recently had a conference. Um, and if you've been to conferences here, they're amazing. Like the Lord does incredible things. So please hear my heart on this. And we would have worship leader, guest worship leaders come in. And they would lead this house in worship, and people were jumping, people are dancing, people are so encouraged in the presence of the Lord, and they're just sharing, they're sharing their love for Jesus. I mean, it seemed like, it just seemed so powerful, like it seemed like a lot, and then we would meet on a Sunday morning, and um, I felt like after that, like I get up to lead worship, and I'm like, why do I feel like this is not the same atmosphere? Like, why is everybody so hype for a conference? And then I feel like, and I honestly, 
insecurity would hit me, guys, if I'm just being real with you. And it's not even insecurity about, like, what do we sound like, yada, yada, yada. It's more like, God, are they, like, more anointed than me? Am I not doing the right thing? Like, am I not prophetic enough? Is that what we're looking for here? Blah, blah, blah. And I really wrestled this out. Like, if I'm just being completely transparent with you, I have not wrestled this out in years. I've done this for years. It hit me again like a wave of (laughs) insecurity of, like, I just don't think I'm that great at this anymore. Nobody wants to follow me in worship. And the Lord's like, that's your problem (laughs) right there. They're not trying to follow you. It's not you. Um, I do feel like there were things with me, for sure, that the Lord was wrestling out in my heart. So I'll be transparent with with you about that part of it. But I honestly, um, I I remember meeting with Derek and meeting with um, Ravenhill and my husband and Barry and just kind of having this roundtable discussion about worship because I started asking, like, God, what is acceptable worship to you? Um, If you know me, I'm just no nonsense. Like, don't try to just make a show for me because everybody can see right through that. So I'm like, I, I really, I'm really like, God, what do you want? And then you get in this, you don't want to become bitter at people because you can get that way and think like, oh, you guys just don't get it. I'm going to worship anyways. Who cares what you guys are doing? That's not a healthy attitude either. (laughs) Okay. So I I sat down with these great men of God and just wrestled with them. Everybody honestly, praise God for the word of God that takes us back to truth. Amen. And so we sat and we talked about some things. And I want to share some of those things with you this morning. I feel like it really saved me from a hole of weirdness. Thank God. And I'm just going to wrestle those out with you guys here this morning. Um, But before I get into that, I have kind of a funny thing I put together here. Now, I'm not an actress, but where's Carissa? I don't need you. You're going to have to judge me. Um, I had these ideas that came to mind. These are the, I call this the nine types of worshipers at church. All right? I feel like my worship team will really get this when I start going into these. But these are actually, before I get crazy on (laughs) y'all... And you see a whole other side of me, okay? Um, Before I do that, I want to say these are all really good methods of worship. So I'm about to make fun and poke a little bit. But please understand that I love all of these. Okay, so before, I'm just going to blanket it with that. So if you're all offended at me afterwards, I guess whatever. But I went ahead and gave you that blanket statement, okay? So let me know which ones resonate with you, okay? So number one, the prophetic worshiper. Okay, so here we are. Jesus, Jesus, we love you. You're in a worship set. Oh, how we love you. Wait. I sense it. I see it right now. Addiction. You. I see that right now. Okay, wait. We're going to stop everything. We're changing the song right now. Okay? We got to go after addiction. Do you guys feel that? We're going after addiction. Oh, man, the chains are breaking this morning. Do you feel that? We had a plan, but who cares? Because I smell addiction. Oh, God, I know you smell it. I know you do. All right? Wait, wait, wait. I feel like he changed his mind. He changed his mind. Hold on, hold on. There's a heaviness. Oh, my gosh, I feel the heaviness, the weight. Oh, I put off all my heaviness and I put on this garment. Okay, prophetic worshiper, how many of y'all can kind of resonate with that? All right, all right. 
I love prophetic worship. Number two, the spontaneous worshiper. Now listen, some of y'all are like, that's the same thing. Believe me, I'm a worship leader. We've been down this train. We know they're not the same thing, okay? <laughs> all right. Spontaneous worshiper. I am not having a plan for worship at all today. Who cares? All right, the Lord knows what he's doing in this house, and you know what? I don't have to pre-plan because it's more anointed if I don't. That shows it's only God, not me. Okay, so I'm going to come in. If you could just play those same four chords the whole time, there are probably 25 different worship choruses I can pick from right now that will fit those chords. So hold on, hold on. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain. Wait, 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 wait. There is power in the name of Jesus. Aaron, what you getting right now? Right now, what you getting right now? Oh, okay, okay, you got another one? Spontaneous worship. How many of y'all can resonate with some spontaneous worship? We love some spontaneous worship. I, I'm being really sarcastic right now, but for real, there are plenty of times I won't even, I'm not even going to blanket anymore. You guys get me. Okay, number three, high praise. <laughs> I honestly feel like we need more of this in this church, Okay. All right, so high praise. Are any of you guys happy this morning? Come on. We're going to praise Jesus. Can you put your hands together? Help me out, y'all. Clap your hands. And then you start jumping. And then my favorite, my personal favorite, the worship team knows, the gazelle. Come on, come on. Okay. It's actually really hard to do that and sing. When Catherine Mullins came, I'm just going to give her some credit where credit is due. The girl's in shape. She, she got some muscles, and she is in shape because that takes a lot of skill. I've actually really upped my game in this, to be honest with you. I've been working out. So, all right, high praise. Like, we want the loud, the shout, the excitement. Woo, Jesus, you're awesome. Number four, hymns. Let's take it down a little bit, okay? We, I got to catch my breath after the gazelle. Side note, if you want to learn how to jump and sing, it's better if you gazelle like this. It's just easier. I'm for real. So if you ever see me do it, now you know the trick. Um, whew. Still out of breath. Hymns. Hymns are the deeper and the most anointed way to get to God. And they're theologically correct most of the time. So some of y'all are like, amen. We've been waiting for you to say that with all your modern songs. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't look at me, Mason. <laughs> None of that repetitive stuff, y'all. This is the way that we do it. We're just going to hit these hymns this morning in Christ alone. Unless the only acceptable difference would be Cornerstone because it's basically a modern hymn and it was written well and theologically correct. So we can get away with that one. Number five, pre-planned worship services. A pre-planner. Okay, so I'm a type A personality if I'm being real with you guys. This is for real. Like, I, you know, I'm going to come in and I got one fast song. You know, we got to get the high praise in the beginning. Woo! Wake everybody up because they're all tired because they came in and they don't get up for work early every day, but they're really tired for church. So we're going to come in, high praise, get y'all excited, get you moving, and then we're going to go to kind of a moderate, ease them into it, okay? Second song. And then the third song is like a blanket, okay? We just lay it over you while you just nap in the presence of the Lord, all right? But we have a plan. And God spoke to me beforehand, so nothing's changing, okay? I prayed about it. I wrestled it out in the secret place, and I know exactly what he wants to do in worship today. And he's going after healing. So all of my songs are centered around healing. And he's going to move. By gosh, he's going to move like I want him to move, okay? Number six, another classic, warfare and intercessory worship. 
I need the drums, just the toms though. Okay, dun 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 dun. Okay, where's Lisa Bates? Because I need a minor chord progression right now. It's gotta get intense right now. Okay, we're going after some demons this morning because Jesus is stronger. Okay, we're going after it. We're not holding anything back. We're gonna slay the giant. What is it? Giant for his bread? That song. Anyways. All right, I'm almost done. Woo! Woo. I gotta catch my breath. Vertical worship. Okay, do you know what vertical means? Point the direction of vertical. Thank you, Manuela. Thank you. Okay, so. I'm seriously out of breath. I need to stop moving. Vertical worship. We're not singing about Jesus this morning. We're singing to him. We're not talking about what he can do. We're going directly at him because that's the privilege you've been given. Throne room worship, y'all. Straight to him. Bless his name. Tell him he's beautiful. And my personal favorite the worship team came up with on our last retreat, horizontal worship. Now, before you go, that's not a real one. No, no, no. Because in Colossians, and Brandon so wonderfully brought this up earlier. They said, sing songs to one another. So, horizontal worship. We can sing songs to one another. I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I'm a child of God. I'm going to sing about myself, and I'm going to declare it in the room, and I'm going to sing that over you guys and make sure that we have some freedom this morning. And that, my friends, is horizontal worship. <laughs> and they have a really terrible song that they fake wrote about horizontal worship, and they, like, change the complete words of... Anyways, another day. But those, is that eight? I had eight, I said nine. So those are eight types of worship. How many of you guys resonate with one of those? <laughs> so I got to catch my breath. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize how hard it is to run and talk. And, okay, gazelle. Uh, Truthfully, I hope I didn't offend anyone because I really do love all of those methods. I love all of those things. I think that they're key. Even the horizontal, there are times, guys, when the Lord says that he wants to uplift his body, and we make room for that, okay? But when I was wrestling out in this season a few months back, I'm like, God, we can do all of these things. We can come in and have the most spontaneous, prophetic, horizontal, vertical, high praise service up in here. Okay, and we can totally miss it. We really can. But I'm like, God, what do you love? Do you love what we just did in worship? God, what is pleasing to you? What is pleasing to your heart? God, are we doing it how you want us to do it? What do you prefer? And in Romans 125, it says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator. When we have our agenda, this is hard, y'all, because I know that it's happened to me before. When we have our agenda, I can humbly say this, and it trumps what the Lord wants to do in a moment, that's idolatry. That's saying, like, I know better than you, God. That's not okay. And I really felt, I feel conviction even saying that in front of you because I know, I know we don't get it right every time. But I want us to be in that heart posture where we don't put him in a box, and we don't say, God, this is how you're going to move today. So to give you a little bit of, of um, just one second, y'all. <clears throat> Still catching my breath. Woo! Brandon said it before, and I was researching this and, and thinking it over with the Lord this week, but I don't want to be Cain. I don't want to give what I think is the best. 
I want to be able, and I want to give him what he desires in worship. I want to say that, God, whatever you want, I don't care what that looks like. If it looks like, honestly, guys, some of you guys have been in the room where this has happened. When the Lord has spoken and in worship, I really try to listen. Sometimes, like, technical, technological difficulties get crazy. The Lord's moving. And, and sometimes it looks like us just cutting the noise, like everything's just quiet. I remember that from months ago, and I felt like the Lord was like, just be quiet before me. And then he moved, and then the body got involved, and then someone felt like they had a word for that moment. I really just want what Jesus wants. If you can hear anything else that I'm saying this morning, like I don't care what it looks like. I really don't. I believe in excellence 100%. It's important, but we want to give God what he wants. Okay, so... Um, <clears throat> Help me, Lord. Help me, help me. Jesus, you set the rules, and I'm going to get out of the way. Doesn't mean I don't have a plan, but I can get away from my plan. Amen? All the type A's are like, yes, Lord, yes. God, I knew that plans were anointed. They are. But you got to tear them up sometimes. Okay. So um, about 10 years ago, um, there's this lovely artist named Taylor Swift. Okay? I realize I'm about to lose all credibility as your worship leader. <laughs> whatever. I went to a Taylor Swift concert 10 years ago, okay? And um, I remember going into that concert, and I knew all the songs. This was pre her Reputation album. If you guys know what I'm talking about, don't look it up. It's okay. But she was a little cleaner and had a lot going on for her then. <clears throat> but people, I'm telling you, you walked in that stadium in Orlando, and it was hype. Like, people were so excited. All of the young girls are dressed like her, they are so pumped to be there. They're anticipating her every move. They're expectant. They knew all the songs, and they had been listening to them all in their car for weeks, just remembering all of them, so they knew all the words by heart when they got in there. Um, I remember this one time. She's standing there on stage, and I'm in the cheap seats, which I probably spent way too much money for, but here she, here she is, and she just goes like this. It was like the... I don't do awkward moments well. You can ask my husband. It was seriously, it's like a two-minute awkward smile. Like she just. <laughs> and the whole crowd, like it took a minute. They were like, they cheered for her like she had just accepted a Grammy right there and that she had just done some backflip off the stage. And I'm like, what is going on? Okay, I'm like, it really, honestly, when I was thinking about this, that's probably one of, besides Coldplay, that's like one of the biggest concerts I've ever been to. And walking in there, I'm like, these people are so excited. I feel like the Lord brought it back to mind. And it really does baffle me. You've heard this illustration before, but here we are. Jesus Christ is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is the most beautiful man to have ever lived and still lives in we are so excited, and we love him, and we pray to him, and we think he is number one. We always say he's the first place. He's priority in our lives, and it baffles me that we come into a service, and we're not expectant. We're not prepared. We haven't been singing his songs all week, really excited to be with him in person and sing those as a community. We're not sitting there trying to figure out how can I get prepared for Sunday morning because this is the most exciting time of the week when I can be with other people that all have the same heart desire as me. I know that I work in ministry, but you guys, I know in the workplace, it's not, it's, I've worked, I was a school teacher. I know it's hard when you're surrounded by all of that all the time, but just to keep in mind that, gosh, 
this is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we don't have expectancy like he's going to do something awesome or that he's just worthy of being praised. So pause on Taylor Swift, okay? So on John 4, come on, you know we have to hit this verse, 23 to 24. An hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must, not an option, must worship in spirit and in truth. So I want to break that down because we can say that and we're like, what the heck is spirit and truth? Like, I want to understand this, God. So number one, worshiping in spirit. I'm just going to talk about these two points briefly. When you hear that, you're like, okay, so is that the Holy Spirit? Is that your spirit, God? Is that my spirit? It it can be a lot. I read something by John Piper. Who likes John Piper? Come on. He said, true worship comes only from spirits made alive and sensitive by the quickening of the spirit of God. A.K.A. God's spirit ignites and energizes our spirit. So when you ask, okay, so I worship in spirit, what does that mean? Yes, his spirit crashing into ours, okay? Our hearts, think about your heart being fully engaged in worship. You've heard people say, y'all need to push past your feelings and worship anyways, okay? There is no acceptable thing. If you don't feel it, whatever, get over it. Worship the king of kings. Okay, yes. You like my accents today, Carissa? You with me? Okay. Um, yes. Like, I don't think we should stay. Like, oh, I don't feel it today, so I'm just going to stand here. I don't, I don't believe in that, okay? But there is something so beautiful about your emotions. I know Sarah Coker is going to amen me here, okay? And letting those, because she'd be teaching on that. Derek Kirkman, your emotional intelligence, guys. Okay, emotions are beautiful to God, and we shouldn't be afraid to show them in a worship setting. I get it. It's vulnerable, I get it. I really do. It's awkward. Tears. Guys, I feel like sometimes it's even hard for me because it makes you feel like you're weak. But tears, there's so much cleansing in tears. There's so much healing that happens in tears. And no one is really sitting around, like, really analyzing your tears. (laughs) They shouldn't be, you know. I'm like, honestly, if I see someone crying in worship, I'm like, it challenges my heart. You know, and sometimes I get a little choked up, like, doing stuff, and I'm like, get it together, you got to lead. But I'm also like, whatever. You know, I I have this war in my head some days of, i got to lead this thing. But then the Lord's like, no, I'm breaking things off of you (laughs) right now with your tears. Um, Even some people have an issue with, with, uh, or I've thought about this a lot, because music, music in and of itself is so powerful. Like, you think about, people say all the time, worship is a lifestyle. In church, we hear this. Yes, but we're talking about corporate gatherings today and what the Lord wants to do as we're united one another. And what we do is we sing unto him and we use music, okay, as a tool to worship Jesus. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Music is meant to pull on your emotions. It is, and that's okay. It's not manipulative. It shouldn't be used that way, okay? But think about it this way. So I love my husband. I love him so much. Those of you that are married in the room, sometimes you feel that, like, in a really, really strong way. But then, like, when they play our song, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, they just put on that song, I get so weak in the knees, I can hardly. Anyways, I'll spare you. But there is something 
okay, where like that like reminds me of when we first found each other and those romantic talks that we had. And it does, it excites your heart again. And I don't consider it manipulative if my husband like plays our song in the car to remind me of things that he's, that we've had, like situations we've been through together. It only increases my love for him. It brings me back to that memory. And I think the Lord uses music in a powerful way. You guys know that the devil has a huge hand in the music industry. You know he does. And he can use music to just shift things. People have committed suicide because of a song they're listening to. There is huge power. There is huge in worship. And I'm sorry, in, yes, in worship, in music. And I want us to be able to have that and say, God, we want to play skillfully before you, and we want to sing beautifully before you. And the melody of this song is written in such a way, God, that it really does pull on my emotions, God. I pray that you would use this song to help me to worship you in spirit with all of my heart. I want all of my emotions involved. And if I'm not feeling much of it today, yes, I'm going to worship you in spite. But, God, I do want to feel that. I want to be so passionate about you that it doesn't matter what anyone else next to me is thinking. My heart wants to be fully engaged. So when I think about spirit, I think about your passion, your heart, your emotions, all of it. Barry kind of hit on some of this this morning. I want all of me, my heart, to be involved in worship. So worshiping in truth. Everybody okay? Say okay. Okay. Worshiping in truth, I told you I wouldn't go long. I'm really, am I doing good? Okay. This is where songs and sermons and messages here should get scrutinized, okay? I, I, the, the Bible tells us to judge these things, things that are taught, and I believe that as worship leaders, we're teaching as we're putting out certain songs into the air, okay, as we're agreeing corporately. So <clears throat> we need to proclaim the truth of his word, Okay. That is so beautiful. If we sing his word back to him, that is amazing. It's beautiful. Our hearts, guys, should long for the truth of God's word to be made known, and we should long to sing those truths to him. Um, we're picky about this as we're working on, um, we've basically got nine or ten songs right now that we're writing. For, we're uh, doing a live recording September 18th, okay, officially. Praise God, y'all. Y'all just pray against COVID and any technical things, but I really feel like this is for real, for real, the day that we're doing it, okay? Everyone's on board, all the guys that are coming in to help us, everything. So, um, But our songs, that's the lens that we put them under. Under, If we're going to be critical, I mean, that sounds harsh, but when we're writing together as a team and the team breaks off into groups, we're like, is that theologically correct? It's okay to say that. Please say that. To look at it under a microscope and say, like, I... I don't know if that's right. I get there's poetic license for those of you that are artists in this room, like there is, but let's not get that and take away and change the word of God through your song to make it make me feel better, okay? It's not worth it. So when we come in here as a corporate body, we worship with passion, with our heart, in spirit, but we worship in truth as well so we can use our heart and our head, okay? That's how I like to look at it, in spirit and in truth, and it's an internal thing. We can sing Guys, we can sing these songs, and we have this unction inside of us that's like Jesus is so worthy because our heart and our head are connected in it. That's what he wants, okay? Um, and I just, I just put this on here before I share the last little things is how do we get to this place? Um, we can sing all the songs, but I really don't want Jesus to say, you guys know this scripture that we honored him with our lips, but their hearts were far from them, far from him. I never want it to be that way for us, Okay? I don't want to just say, like, I just come in and I sing the songs. And, guys, it's 
it's happened. I know that I've done it, but I don't, I don't want to live a life like that where I come in and I say the right things, but my heart's not in it. I want my heart to always be in it. So, and that's what I want for us as a corporate body. What a fire that would be if all of us were in one accord saying, my heart is totally in this, God. My head is totally in this, God. And I'm going to, we're in it to win it that you'd be glorified in spirit and in truth from our worship. All right, so how do we do this? Back to Taylor Swift for a second, okay? If you can not rebuke me yet, okay? So I'm like in this, I was just thinking and wrestling this out with the Lord, but those people were so expectant. And I feel like that was the word that stood out to me. So four points here that I have for you. This is it, and it'll be quick. In prepping to get together for corporate worship, one, get expectant, okay? Um, if you think about it, I think of Song of Solomon. There's this longing whenever you see the, the, um, the bride talking to the bridegroom, and she's saying, gosh, you are outstanding among 10,000s. That song, Yeshua, we've been singing lately. God, you are the most beautiful among 10,000s. I want to be expectant that when we sing those kinds of things, that God is going to move and that we're going to have a heart connection with him every morning that we get together. Number two, get the word inside of you, okay? Please get the word inside of you. Um, if you need help with that, Psalm 119 is a really good place to start where it talks about the love of the word and getting that in you. Um, in Psalm 119, it says, how, even, even with the Conquer series that we've been talking about, um, how can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word? Okay? I, that stuff is going to help our worship. Also, um, we should be longing for his precepts, for his law. Come on, y'all. We know that we're in a crazy situation in our country right now, in the world right now. What kind of law? We want the law that the Lord lays out before us. Um, and it even says in that verse, revive me through your righteousness. If you could come in on your in your car and the kids are screaming, I get it. I live this life, y'all. Okay? Um, God, I want to keep my heart pure. So, God, I'm just going to speak your word and speak the truth even before I get here this morning. But, God, I believe in the power of the blood of Jesus because your word talks about it, how it never, your word never retu- returns void. So, God, would you revive me through your righteousness that I would be ready, God? Would you help Help me where I feel weak. God, I believe, this is one thing too, I believe that you said that we would do even greater things. Okay, so I'm holding you to that this morning, Lord. I want to see that in your church. God, I pray that we would see the outbreak of healing happen. I want to see those things. I want to see salvations. You said that you would do it and that it would be greater than what they did. So God, we hold you to that this morning. Just start to get your mind amped up. Um, Number three, ask the Lord if anything in you isn't right. Repent of your sin. Listen, I remember a message Barry preached, and it said um, something. It was that verse that talks about if your brother has something against you, and you know they do, go to them before giving your offering in worship. And I was like, oh, God. (laughs) I was like, I remember feeling, this was probably last year, I'm like, I know there's someone that has something against me. And I'm, I'm over here trying to lead worship. And I feel that wrestle with the Lord right now. I mean, it was after worship. Help me, Lord. I felt like he brought it to my mind. But I knew, I knew I had to deal with that and make that right. Or it's kind of like if you have unforgiveness in your heart, that worship just hits the ceiling. You know, he's like, no, no, no. I get You think I'm beautiful? Do you? Because you're not listening to what I'm trying to tell you. Deal with your brother. 
you know, get that right. No, 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 wait, your marriage is struggling? Can you start making a proactive plan with me to fix this? Because that's important to me. That's worship to me, that you listen to my voice, that you obey. You can't just sit here like the Pharisees and say things out of your mouth, but in your heart, you don't mean anything. How do you sing those songs that say, God, you're worthy of it all, when he's asking you to put your all into your marriage and you're not doing it? Okay, or if he's putting your, put your all into fixing, God is the God of reconciliation. I just feel like I need to say that in the room today, that if you have something against your brother, please do that before giving your offering here. I'll just leave that there. We do it for communion, guys. We say that, check your heart before taking this in remembrance of him. I think we should do it before we come in here as a corporate body. And then the last thing I have is get out of the way and allow him to move like he wants. <laughs> okay. So in Isaiah 55, 9, it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Okay? Basically saying, we don't know what we're doing compared to him. Okay? <laughs> so that's why I tell you this morning, I humbly, I humbly put this before you. There, I want you to, one, get expectant. Two, get the word inside of you. Three, repent of your sin and ask if there's any unclean way in you. And then number four, let's get out of the way and let him do what he wants to do, okay? And I honestly, there's a huge responsibility on the worship team, rightfully so, as we lead you into God's presence, that we need to get out of the way. So I may have the most bomb, pre-planned, prophetic worship set to go, and then the Lord says, stop, be quiet for a second. I'm going to give Michaela a spontaneous song right now that I'm giving her right now that I want to sing. And it's going to shift the atmosphere. So this is what you do. You guys, you come in. You do as much as you can. You prep your heart. And then corporately we say, God, do whatever you want to do. I'm going to read this and then Brandon, come back to me. I have a dream. This is our vision. That every member of the body would increasingly take responsibility and ownership of the spiritual temperature of the corporate gatherings. And endeavor to come spiritually built up and ready with eager anticipation of what the Lord is going to accomplish in our midst. So I'm just going to pray into that real quick. God, would you help us, Lord, to throw out every other agenda besides yours, God? Would you move in a powerful way in our hearts right now, even my own heart, God, as a worship leader, Lord? Would you help us to prepare to get the word inside of us, Lord, that you would help us to worship you in truth and in spirit? God, that our hearts and our passion would be so ignited for you, God. But also, Lord, that the truth of your word would be sung to you in this house, would be given back to you in this house. Jesus, we bless you in your name. Man, that girl is fire. I need to get her number. Okay. I got one more thing I wanted to share. This is extremely, extremely important. Extremely important. So there's that language we use here about entering in, about drawing near. And I want to hit that because in order for us to be a true habitation where God can come and do what he wants, we need to know how to enter in. We have to have an understanding of it. We have to grow in our understanding of this. We need to know. 
we can't guess, and, and maybe one, one Sunday we enter in, one Sunday we don't, and then we're just always, it's a roller coaster. So open up to Hebrews 10. I'm going to take just a few minutes here. I had more to share, but my wife killed it, so I'm just going to cut some stuff out. But Hebrews 10, it's extremely important. This, right, Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25, that is going to be your homework. That can be your homework before you come to any, any corporate gathering. Let this be your homework. Anytime you, you, you're ready to come to a meeting, whether it's someone's house or here corporately, read this. We're talking about entering into God's presence. We need to know there is a new and living way that Christ has con- consecrated, he has set apart, he has inaugurated for us to enter into the presence of God. There's only one way. It's a new and living way. Verse 19 of Hebrews 10, he says, the writer says, therefore, brethren, and I would encourage you to read the verses before it. Really powerful. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness, the holiest, because you had coffee this morning. No, no. Having boldness to enter the holiest because you haven't sinned all week. Okay, well. We have boldness to enter the holiest because I prayed for two hours. You have boldness to enter the holiest because Bethel is leading worship at this service. Oh, no, no. We have boldness to enter the holiest because the kids finally slept in and I get a few minutes to myself. Right? No, what's your Bible say? Why do we have boldness to enter the holiest? Because of the blood of Jesus. Period. Period. So we talk about entering in. We should be able to enter into God's presence and worship him without any of those things. We don't need instruments. We don't need a worship leader. We don't need all this extra stuff. Can we really be a community that does that? So this is, this is, this is your homework. If you do this at home, if you could enter in to his presence by the blood, if you can do that at home, then you can do it here. But here's the awkward thing is that some of you don't do it at home. So then we come here, we talk about entering by the blood, and you're like, what, by the blood? What, that's weird. What does that even mean? It's powerful. We enter in by the blood. Let's read through this, and I'm going to make a couple points, and I'll, I'll move on. I'll try to be quick. I know Barry, he, we get trapped in this sometimes here. Okay. <laughs> Help me, Barry. Verse 20. It's by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us. Through the veil that is his flesh. And now we have a high priest over the house of God. And there's three things that this high priest, three duties, three responsibilities we have in his presence. Number one, verse 22, he says, Do this, let us draw near with a true heart 
in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Number two, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And number three, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. But I want to focus on verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Here's what I want to say. We talk about drawing near to God. It's very simple. If you want to draw near to God, it's very simple. It's right there. A true heart, a genuine heart, full of assurance. That's it. I don't know what you had in your mind about how to draw near to God. For me, sometimes it's like, I just got to play this instrumental song on YouTube that just is really good, and bam, I feel near to God. I do that. There are certain songs we play, and those are good. Maybe you read a scripture, and it helps you to kind of draw near, but like, Simple faith with a genuine heart, and you draw near to him. That's all. It, it, honestly, it's almost overly simple, and we make it so complicated. That's how we draw near. Number two, this is really important, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Back in chapter 9, verse 14, it says this, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, who offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. There's something about us that we have this guilt complex. The Passion Translation says, uses this verse and calls it, the, calls it uh, sin's guilt. That we know we've been forgiven of our sins, but there's this guilt inside of us that we really can't draw near to him. Something is in us. And I want to submit to you, the way to deal with guilt, I think the reason some of you are carrying guilt about drawing near to God, and this may sound odd, but I think it's because you're prideful. You won't let go of your guilt. I'm telling you today, let go of your guilt. What you're saying by holding on to your guilt is you're saying this guilt is more powerful than the blood of Jesus. That's what you're saying. You're saying, this guilt, God, you can't overcome it. You can't take it away. And Jesus will grab your hand and, and, and show you the cross. And My life laid down for you. My blood shed. This is very easy to deal with. Will you just humble yourself? Quit being prideful, thinking your guilt is so strong and so... It's the blood of Jesus. There's a book written by Andrew Murray. This is the last thing I'm going to say. If Michaela, could you come up? And we're going to sing Nothing But the Blood this morning because we're talking about worship. This is true worship. This is true entering in. Andrew Murray is talking about the blood of Christ. It's a book called The Holiest of All, and he says this. There can be no fellowship with God but in the blood, in the death of his blessed son. 
But praised be his name in that the blood, there is an access and a fellowship, a life and a blessedness, a nearness and a love that passes understanding. Let us seek to cultivate large thoughts of what the blood has affected and can affect. So God wants true worshipers. He's seeking for true worshipers. He's asking us to participate in building a habitation where he can come and dwell. And this is the starting point. This is the finishing point. The blood of Jesus. We enter in. We draw near. We come close. We love him. Everything that goes back to the cross and the blood that he shed. It's very simple. Very, very simple. So could you stand? And Michaela's going to lead us in song.
just to share something with you. I was really surprised when Brandon started sharing and talking about our sacrifice and worship. Because just Friday, um, as I was walking and fellowshipping with the Lord, and I was just thinking about how in the Old Testament it talks about how you know, the Lord does not want the lame sacrifices. Like he says, don't bring that to me. Don't bring the sacrifice that's lame, that's blind. Like, how could you offer that to me? And I was like, yeah, like, and can you imagine if Jesus was sitting right here and we were in the Old Testament and they were bringing an offering to him to offer to him something that was of no value. To offer him something that was so substandard and so he was so he was so far more deserving than what they were offering. They, it was like giving him crumbs, giving crumbs to the king. Like just here you go, God, be happy with this. Bring in the lame, bring in the blind, offering to him. And in my heart, I'm like, yeah, Lord, I just can't imagine like. I just would, in my heart, I'd be so critical of someone bringing an offering like that. Like, how could you? How dare you? And he said, Diane, anytime you make your offering of worship anything but about totally, fully, and completely about me, you're bringing a lame offering to me. I just had to repent. I'm like, Lord, forgive me for the many times I've made it about what I feel like. How many times I've made it about my worship. How many times I've made it about something that's so substandard than who you are. You're so worthy. I just had to repent. And I'm just so thankful that what he's doing here, because he wants us all to come in here and offer him our all and make it all about him. He wants us to be listening to what he's saying, not what we have on our, our agenda. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Father, again, I just say that I am sorry and I ask your forgiveness, Lord, for the many times that I've made it about me. God, forgive us. Father, even Paul said, if I, if, even if I worship with tongues of angels and love is not the center, then it is nothing. And so many times, Lord, it's been nothing. So many times our worship has been nothing if loving you has not been the focus in the center, Lord. Please help us. Thank you. You are making an adjustment in our heart. You are renewing our minds to make it all about you, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your correction. We know you correct us because you love us. You are doing a beautiful work. Father, continue. Thank you for the precious Holy Spirit who is our teacher, who is our mentor, who is helping us and instructing us and directing us, Lord, straight to your heart so that we can give you what you desire, Lord. Thank you, Father. 
sense that in my heart and I wasn't thinking about saying this but I feel like in this message the Father is coming to heart of the Father to correct our worship He's coming to correct your worship He's coming to correct my worship and if you need to repent if the Lord is showing you that you've been worshiping him in a way that's not acceptable to him. Repent. And let us go on a journey of seeking God and finding out what is acceptable to him, what is pleasing to him. And let's do that as a family. Let's do that together. Let's seek God in his word. So Father, thank you for using Diane this morning. God, come and correct us. Come and correct worship that is not pleasing to you. It may be pleasing to the world. It may look good to our friends. It may look fun and exciting. It may look a certain way to whomever is around us. But Father, all the while you are saying, no, that is not acceptable to me. So Father, if worship looks like standing still and our heart is fully engaged, then let worship arise. God, if worship looks like running around this building like a crazy man, then let worship arise. God, if worship looks like laying on the ground, crying our tears out, then let worship arise. If worship looks like sitting in our chair with our hands folded and our eyes closed, let worship arise. Father, let this be a house where true worship arises. God, let it not be about the outward appearance. Let our hearts come alive. God, I pray that heart at heart of the Father, the heart would would become alive again. God, that we would be living sacrifices. We would be holy. We would be acceptable to you, Father. Come and revive the heart at Heart of the Father ministry. God, come and awaken our hearts to true worship this morning. We're going to have Michaela play. If you need to come to the altar, if you need to sit down, once again, I'm not trying to go for an outward-looking appearance, but if we need to get our heart right with God concerning our worship, let's do that right now.